Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Okay. Hi, ladies. Hi. Hi. So nice to see you. Nice to see your two gorgeous blondies right in front of me. <laughs> two icons. I'm so happy to finally get to talk to the two of you about Sakara. I had my metabolism superpower this morning. Oh, amazing. I did too. I had our latte. Have you tried our latte yet? I haven't. Latte? No, I make a, a fake version of it at home, but I see it on Instagram all the time and I'm always like... Oh, that's so good. It's it's great for people <clears throat> like myself. Like I, I don't tend to have time to make my smoothie in the morning. So I get to, it's like ready to drink, which I appreciate. Yeah. When you're too lazy to make your own coffee. <laughs> I know we were, we really reached peak busy, haven't we? <laughs> there is Indeed. no ritual in the morning. It's survival. <laughs> it is. Two kids. Um, I'm like, if my two kids are fed and out of the house, they did a great job. Yeah, exactly. You know, with only one, and I'm sure, like, Whitney, you, I feel like you have one. Like, I look at people with two and I'm like, what? Yeah, I know. It's, it's a lot. I'm always like, I want another child. And then I'm like, wait, do I really want another child? I know. I'm like, I, not the person to talk to because my kids are like, I think just getting to the age where it gets really good and they entertain yeah. each other but I've been in the opposite for the last years because my youngest is two. So mm-hmm. yeah. Don't ask me if you should have a second. Well, I you're mean, over the hump. I, I mean, in a dream world, I'm having like four kids, you know, in this yeah. fantasy of Sounds us great. just breeding and having dinners and big family parties over here. Sounds amazing. And very so, Italian. Yeah. Very. <laughs> so both of you are from Sedona, which is a positive energy vortex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have you been? Yeah. So cool. Yeah. What a special, special, what a special place. What was it like growing up there? Kind of like what you imagine. I was actually just having this conversation with my husband. He just started making his own kombucha. And I was like, he's like, I, I wish I would have learned this earlier, but I just found out about kombucha a few years ago. And I was like, really? Like I've been drinking kombucha since I was like five. And then, you know, you realize like it's such a hippie town that some of those things. Totally. Yeah. That's what I was going to say that you know, growing up, it was just normal for us. You didn't realize how kind of weird and unique some of the things were until you left mm-hmm. and you saw the rest of the world. And then you went back and you're like, oh, mm. the rest of the world doesn't yeah. live like this. No one else is drinking rice milk. 
yeah. <laughs> and kombucha yeah. and all the alternatives. I know it's very little pockets of the of hippie towns across the United States that have that type of but I but Sedona calls that type of energy in because you're so tied to nature. Yeah, yeah and I think really it really I think it really is a vortex too. Like I think it really does call in a very specific type of person. And for <clears> us <throat> it was obviously our husband such a a important part of us kind of being on this mission and creating Sakara. It really was the thing that taught me about mind body food medicine. I mean, it was a conversation when we were kids. And so I'm really grateful. It wasn't necessarily in my household. My mom wasn't a hippie like Whitney's mom, but it was around me all the time. And I'm just really grateful for that. Yeah. What a privilege because most kids don't get to understand that concept by any means. Most adults don't either. So So what was the genesis of Sakara? I know you guys were best friends and kind of both had hit rock bottom, as you have said in the past. So I would love to kind of know, you know, what those, let's talk about the bottoms (laughs) and what those, what that looked like for each of you. Yeah. We love talking about our rock bottoms. (laughs) Like I think we're not taught that that's, that can be such a revolutionary and pivotal moment in our lives. But yeah, so we grew up together, known each other our whole lives, basically. I moved to New York City to study medicine and she came later uh, to to work on Wall Street. So my mom was in and out of the hospital for most of my life, still is. And so I grew up, you know, around a lot of doctors and watched her, you know, really suffer through the medical system and also saw doctors really save her life many times too. And I just wanted to be a, a part of that. I wanted to figure out how to help people. And I, I wasn't really sure what that meant, but at the time, you know, as a young kid, I thought, you know, doctor was the way to do it. But I suffered from disordered eating patterns from a young age. Like I think my earliest memory of trying to lose weight was around nine, which, you know, if you, I know you have a young girl too, it's just heartbreaking. Like when I I've told this story so many times, but now that my child, my oldest is five, almost five, she's getting older. I just realized how young I was and how early it, like the culture and our world and our worth, it just, mm-hmm. it's so wrapped up in, in how we look. So yeah, I, you know, from, I guess about the age of nine, I tried every diet for the next 15 years like every single one. And I, I was a really good dieter. If you gave me rules, I'd follow them. And mm-hmm. so there were really high highs and low lows. And I learned how to count calories and carbs and points and pounds. Never once learned how to eat well or talk about an empowered body or a healthy mm-hmm. body. And then fast forward, I was in New York City, city studying pre-med, working in a hospital with a cardiologist. And we were seeing- Oh, you patient- went full, you were like trying to be a doctor studying medicine. Yeah. Yeah. So I did pre-med in New York. Wow. And as part of that, you had to, you had to shadow <clears throat> a doctor. So I chose to work in cardiology and, you know, we- we, I ended up working the free clinic up in Harlem, which was an insane experience. And we saw so many patients with late stage lifestyle diseases because, you know, heart issues, vascular issues are usually, mm-hmm. you know, you have some sort of symptom from a lifestyle disease, whether it's diabetes or, you know, the array of lifestyle diseases we all have. And I, I guess I had this aha moment that kind of coincided with 
my own hitting rock bottom. So Mm -hmm. I had done a 21 day crazy retreat in Southern Arizona that included a water fast uh, for seven days. It was all raw food and I got really, really sick. Like I ended up in the hospital and I had pneumonia and I, they, that was the first time they diagnosed me with IBS, which is like not a thing. Really? Yeah. I mean, like IBS, a, leaky like, gut, and PCOS a, are a, a term thing. for like a blanket term. Yeah, it's just like a bunch of stuff's gut. going on, and we're someone needs to figure we're it out just at some like point. Clustering symptoms. Yeah. But like, even when you look to the literature, like we have no idea what it is. We have no idea what it means. There's some correlations around like dysbiosis or like, yeah, you know, like gut impermeability. So anyway, all to say, I I was so sick and working in a hospital, seeing patients who were also so sick. And I just realized like, I'm on this path. I already have a lifestyle of disease like IBS, you know? And if I don't quickly change my relationship to food and my relationship to my health, then I, you know, I saw myself in in every single patient that came in. Mm -hmm. And then I also realized I never once talked to any of these patients about their lifestyles. (laughs) Like it was really, you know, what do they have from a clinical perspective and what can you give them from a pharmaceutical perspective or, you know, sometimes surgical intervention was necessary, but, you know, it was very limited and it wasn't, I I learned in that moment, it wasn't what I wanted to be in my toolkit to help both myself and potential patients and clients. So Mm -hmm. I decided to study nutrition and it was around that time that Whitney hit her rock bottom too. So we were down there together at least. Yeah. And I agree with Danielle, like, rock bottom sounds like a terrible place to be. And it is when you're in it, but at the same time, if you can realize that you're in it and it's this reckoning moment, it can be an incredible place because it's a moment where you're like, shit has got to change Mm -hmm. now. And so we kind of found ourselves in that moment together. How I got to that place was after a decade of battling with terrible cystic acne you know, big red cysts all over my face. And when did that start for you? I mean, I remember starting to get acne at 11, probably. Really? And yeah, you know, it started out as little bumps on my forehead and then it just started to grow from there. And, you know, it makes sense. Like when you're in puberty, your hormones are changing, Mm -hmm. you're more insulin resistant. You know, the food that I was eating, like Danielle and I played year round volleyball together and we'd go, you know, like out after volleyball practice and the team would eat stuff, you know, like French fries and sun ice cream sundaes and whatever. And all of that was just aggravating my skin yet at that time, you know, however many years ago, that was 20 years ago, doctors thought food and acne had zero correlation. Like there was nothing. Can I ask you guys something? Cause I think this is an important point. So we're all parents. I don't want to have the kid who goes to uh, the post game dinner. And, and is like, oh, I can't eat that. I can't eat that. Yeah. So yeah. what's our, are we, yeah. I mean, Davide, Davide saying, Everything he's Davide says this country just lacks moderation. 
and that those things bring joy and they're celebratory. And the more you take them away, the more the obsession happens. And so those things shouldn't be deemed these evil things, but should be taught those things in excess have repercussions. And and here, and here they are. I think it depends. I mean, like nothing, I, like I don't, I, there's no like villainizing a food in my mind. Yeah, that's, I, I don't want that to be a thing either. Except like, I think there are things that aren't kind of like our bodies aren't naturally equipped to digest like ultra processed foods. Completely. So like anything I, I agree. that comes from like nature the fake che- and like, like the fake cheese on nachos. But when when you're talking sure. about when you're talking about like what you think of when you think like I Italian love the fake foods cheese and, I mean it's delicious. But it's so when you're when you're talking about like the like what you think when you go to Italy and like mozzarella and pizza and it's like so many of those foods are like homemade. Like it's real not food. to say that does like, not count there because that's real that's food from local places. They it's illegal to process food there the way that it is here. Yes and no. Like Europe actually is doused in tons of things like glyphosate. Like I tell people a lot of times, like they do have stricter things on like what can go into foods in terms of like preservatives, dyes. Like if you look like a, look at like a mac and cheese, you know, ours contains yellow dye number five or six, Six. but the the UK version does not. So Mm -hmm. there's things like that for sure. Like it's less, maybe like there's less, perhaps chemicals in the ultra processed foods, but the agriculture in Europe is, is still not great. But anyway, I'll just say like, I do think that the culture around food is different. And so there's more time spent around mealtime. There's more, you know, you spend more time making the food, like you actually make the pizza crust instead of like buying it. So, but I think it's an important point because it might be really obvious to you, but I think sometimes people will just villainize pizza. And so then it's like, like, I'm going through this with my kid's school where I'm like, we can have pizza and cupcakes. Like I'm not the mom who's like, no, only broccoli for like end of your school party. Let's do it. But like, let's just make it ourselves or find a place that does it in a healthy way. Like we don't have to choose. And I think, you know, to your original question, I think we'll have to be continual advocates of you know, in public places. And then when we're out of control and it's really up to our kids, like I constantly try and teach my kids body intelligence. Like how does this food make you feel? Totally. Because like checking in with themselves, I think is such an important muscle. So it's like, I never tell them, oh, that's a bad food. We can't eat that. It's like, you know, how does that food make you feel after you eat it? And they're still learning, of course. Mm -hmm. But I think it's like signaling to them that foods are not just about like, oh, it's here. I'll eat it. It's like foods that actually are indicative of how we're going to feel maybe now and also later in time as well. I and ask, I- especially since you were talking about having disordered eating and that started for me around the same time as it did for you. And so when I, if I think of, yeah, it's such a tricky thing, right? Cause then if I, if I, if you, which I never want to do, but if I villainize food to her, there it fucking starts, dude. The, here we go. Here is the long, windy road of weird conversations around I can't have that and then guilt if you do and then restricting if you have something you think you're not supposed to and then then, then we've entered the abyss, <laughs> you know? But I think yeah. that it, but I think that it, all of this, this whole conversation is why we started Sakara because- Totally. 
our country does lack a culture when it comes to food that is a healthy, like lifestyle, healthy way of eating. Like the American culture and the American way of eating that has been formed is this culture of fast food Mm -hmm. on the go, a drive through, picking something up, even just like munching on snacks, Mm -hmm. chips, puffs, whatever in the cupboard. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, we had to create our own, figure out what does healthy eating look like and nutrition look like on the day to day, because Mm -hmm. then you are what you do the majority of the time. So if you're eating, you know, healthy foods, flooding your body with nutrients and plant fibers and all those things, then when you go out and you have that ice cream, the cupcake at the birthday and the pizza and whatever, your body is in a stronger position. Your immune system is in a stronger position to be able to handle those things. But if you don't have that like foundation, healthy culture of eating and know what foods will make you feel good, Mm -hmm. then you can go down the path of thinking about restriction. So like with Sakara, you don't see a list of no's anywhere. We're focused on, are you getting the right things into your body Mm -hmm. to build your immune system to, to, have your body in a healthy place so that you can handle the rest of the foods, which is just life. You know, I'd like to get back to your, I think so many people suffer with acne. So I'm sorry to divert, but I think there's so many important points there. So I would love to know kind of like, I'm sure, did you, were you on Spiranolactone, Accutane, everything? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did it all. I, yeah. Put on birth control pills at 14 to try and fix my skin spironolactane, the, I mean, every antibiotic you can imagine, tetracycline, aminocycline, Z-packs, so many Z-packs, the Accutane. And then with the Accutane, you get the Prozac to go along with it because suicide can be a side effect. My brother carved uh, his initials into his chest on Accutane when he was in high school. Oh my God. My mom was like, We'll take the acne. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, But, you know, then that stuff, you know, then your gut's destroyed and then your mental health is destroyed alongside it. So I'm sure that contributed very much to a rock bottom moment for you because you had no foundation for like, was there any serotonin in your body at that point? Well, yeah. And I, you know, I was really seeing different doctors for different things. I mean, I had anxiety and so, you know, they put me on Lexapro. And I still had the acne. And so they were giving me more Z packs and still on birth control pills for years and years. And on it, and I was doing, you know, I, I didn't want to do Accutane again. And so I was doing lights and lasers that were like peeling layers of oh flesh God. off of my face. And I would have to hide from the sun for seven to 10 days. I, you know, literally was just like, trying everything that people would talk about. I was seeing this acupuncturist who she would do acupuncture on me and give me herbs. But then also her philosophy was that she needed to squeeze my cysts and remove the sac inside of them, which was extremely painful. And I swear I have so many scars just on my face. Because I've had cystic acne. You can't, those things aren't supposed to leave your face. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, I remember one day she was squeezing and all this blood like splattered up at her face. Oh my God. Yeah. And just really terrible, awful things. And, you know, I, I just, 
I remember being in this place of like, but is it something I'm eating? Is it something I need to cleanse out of my body? And I would ask all these dermatologists and healers, you know, what, if it's something to do with my food and these dermatologists would just say, no, food has nothing to do with it. You know, it's not pizza and chocolate. That's an old wives tale. Now pizza and chocolate definitely (laughs) has something to do with it. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, and it led me to where we are today of like, just tired of being overprescribed and not finding the solution out in the world. And so in that moment where I hit my rock bottom, it was, you know, a doctor handing me another prescription for a three month mega round of antibiotics. Jesus I'm like, Christ. nope, not going to do that. And they're like, all right, here's your six month, your another prescription for Accutane for six months. And, you know, maybe I, I would need another six months after that. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that either. And so in that moment, I was like, I have to figure this out for myself. I need to take my health into my own hands, go back to my roots and figure out what is the root cause? What is causing these symptoms on my face? And, you know, turn to Danielle and she was in that rock bottom and we're both like, we need to turn to food as medicine. How incredible that that happened at the same time for the two of you as best friends. So what a blessing. Unbelievable. For many reasons. Like one, even if we hadn't created Sakara, like to not feel alone. Mm -hmm. And that is such a gift. And to have someone to talk to, like, I'm sure there's so many people out there who feel like they're the crazy person when they want to talk about their skin and their food or, you know, (laughs) how their symptoms (laughs) might be related to their gut or their digestion. It's like what you said earlier, you know, back then doctors didn't think, but still to this day, I would say most doctors are not talking to you about your health in terms of your nutrition. And it's not because they're bad people. It's because they're never, ever trained in it. Yeah, They're literally trained in pharmacology and maybe surgery. And that's what you do. You identify like the clinical case, what is going on with this patient? What are the symptoms? What are you, you know, What's the word I'm looking for? Diagnosing them with. And then here are the drugs that help with this diagnosis mm-hmm. and help mm-hmm. with the symptoms. It's never, it's not like a root cause protocol whatsoever. Still. No, unless you have the, you know, privilege to use a functional medicine doctor, that conversation will never come. But thank God we have things like Sakara and podcasts and information in the internet. So people who have these symptoms can at least, uh, you know, start thinking about the way that they're approaching their lives and their health and all of that. Support for today's episode comes from my favorite Jenny Kane. Perfect timing, honestly, because summer is here and my wardrobe could definitely use a refresh. And Jenny Kane is all about that California yumminess through and through their summer staples, make getting dressed so easy. Jenny Kane is a huge staple in my house. I mean, I have all their furniture, but the clothes are to die for. It's minimalist and effortless and totally refined. And it's perfect stuff for my mom and I to share. They have tons of flowy dresses and lightweight cotton cardigans to elevated versions of all your everyday basics. Not to mention the most incredible home essentials. Like I said, I have all of their furniture in my TV room. And for a limited time, 
our listeners are going to get 15% off their first order. Like I said, any season, but especially this season, you want to be dressed in Jenny Kane. Their dresses are the it item. I'm obsessed with the cove dress and the road dress for summer occasions. And I'm telling you, the Chloe cardigan is my new favorite for beach days. I love a new cardigan for summer. Like anytime I think about summer, I'm like, what is my little cardigan going to be? And what are the easy dresses I'm going to wear? And I always look to Jenny Kane for that. Jenny Kane believes in the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless design so you can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. And like I said, we're going to give you this 15% off because I love Jenny Kane. They love you. Find your forever pieces at JennyKane.com. Our listeners are getting 15% off your first order when you use code BEST at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code BEST. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. So you all know that I have transitioned to a mostly clean makeup routine. And that can seem daunting as all hell, right? It is just so overwhelming. I'll tell you why it was so seamless for me, because Sephora really does all the work for you. If you go to sephora.com slash clean, they have a large variety of products in every category, but especially makeup. Right now, I am wearing an entire face (laughs) from the clean section of Sephora. I have my Kosas like little luminizer. I have an SPF on. I have my say mascara. I have say blush on. I have Kosas bronzer on. They have every single brand, Tower 28, like nutritional brands, everything under the sun to let this seamless transition be just that completely seamless. And it still feels like you're wearing, I mean, there's really like no difference, right? You're doing good by your body. You're doing good by the environment. And you know that it's clean when Sephora puts that cute little Sephora clean approved tag on it. Just go to Sephora.com slash clean. That's Sephora.com slash clean to learn more. So now the two of you think you want to start a business. How did food delivery, like how did it go from we need to change the way we feel, what we put in our body, da, da, da. How did it go? Like, what was that conversation? Because, I mean, what year is this? Were there a lot? There weren't any. Re- this re- was there like, was no like meal we delivery were, services we were at that time. We going through this in like 2009, yeah. you know, with our body journeys and things. And it was juice um, cleanse time. Yeah, it was That's juice right. cleanse time. Yeah. And we, you know, we we tried before creating this for ourselves. We tried everything out there. We were doing all of the juice cleanses and. I tried master cleanse and, mm-hmm. you know, we were vegans, vegetarians, raw foodists, tried all of those things and none of it worked for us. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't, it wasn't a lifestyle. It wasn't focused on the foods that you're putting into your body. It was, it was all about elimination, yeah. which doesn't build up your immune system and, and give your body the nutrients it needs to thrive. Mm-hmm. But I think like to that point, we all have to be really careful because I think it's part of the human condition to be way more seduced by what not to eat than like what totally. to eat. Like mm-hmm. all of us want to like, what's the diet or the thing? Like it's more kind of like silver bullet mentality. And like the boring thing is get your sleep, you know, making sure you're getting 
enough plant fiber, enough healthy, clean protein, enough healthy fat, enough superfoods, enough mm. micronutrients. It's like the things you do actually do every day and need to eat tend to be a lot less seductive. But it wasn't a business, you know, when we started it, it, it was just so transformative for us personally. You know, for me, it was, I realized that my whole life food had been the enemy, but food was really there to nourish me. And I had spent my whole life thinking, how do I not eat this? And what if I eat too much? And then it was like my brain switched and it went from that to how can I get enough? Like, how can I get enough of the right foods? And that switch was really empowering because it was like a lens change where, you know, food wasn't the enemy. It was the thing that I needed to get to this place. I wanted to get to feel better, to have my brain back, to have my energy back, et cetera. I feel that way about food now. And it's completely changed my life. Like, like the lunch I had before we hopped on, it's like a big salad with kale and garbanzo beans and spinach and radishes and seeds and sauerkraut. And like, I made a delicious dressing and I put some salmon on it. And like, I, I, when you can switch your brain to the concept of like, how many, like what rainbow can I get in a bowl and it Mm -hmm. switch it to abundance? Your life feels like a whole different fucking ball game. Yeah. And do you feel, did you, I was going to say, did you feel a big shift after becoming a mother in like your relationship to food? I mean, I gained so much weight when I was pregnant and it took me so long. It took me six months to even dig myself out of, and then I got a PCOS diagnosis Mm. and, and I worked out so intensely through my whole pregnancy and realized that I was like putting my pregnant body into fight or flight. And so I was gaining like more weight. I ate, you know, I eat well. It's not like I was eating potato chips and pizza when I was pregnant. Like I, you know, I, I really wanted like a Mogador breakfast. I was eating like labneh and eggs and Israeli salad and hummus and big, I wanted so much lettuce. Like I felt, you know, my body was craving a variety of delicious, yummy things, but it really was PCOS and understanding blood sugar and what, and, and stress and changing my workouts and all of that. That I mean, your, your body, like weight is there. It serves a purpose. Your body is inherently smart. It's way more intelligent than our conscious brains are. And so it makes decisions for us Mm -hmm. that we might not know or understand. And like, I put on 55 pounds during pregnancy and I think, you know, and I kept it on for a while after giving birth. And I think it was because I had a big baby and he was going to need a lot of milk and I needed to have enough energy too to supply life force energy to, for me and another living being. Mm -hmm. And like you're saying, if, if you're putting that energy into working out and stress and whatever else, then your body's going to need to retain more Mm -hmm. storage of energy. Right. Yeah. And, and so I, I think that that's a piece that people don't think about of, you know, even into perimenopause and beyond that, like 
the the stress and having that our our fat plays a role in protecting us and having that backup absolutely um energy mm-hmm. source for us i was definitely in like a fight or flight i was really stressed when i was pregnant i was so excited for her but like you know as the financial pillar for multiple people in my household i was like how am i going to have the bandwidth to keep you know i didn't take any days off of work I worked up until I gave birth. I worked the day after just to make sure I was on top of things, which honestly, I it wasn't even, you know, she slept. So I was like, I don't, what am I going to not take these meetings? And he's like, no problem. So, but I think, you know, my body was like, we got to keep some fat on this girl. Cause like we might be in the middle of a fucking desert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. And also, you know, I think the way conventional medicine approaches weight throughout pregnancy is, is not healthy or, or safe. Like I saw midwives and, and they didn't weigh me at all. Oh no, I had to get my way in. It's not like a metric that they use. I mean, they can just look with their eyes and just say like something might be going on if between, you know, month two and month six, (laughs) like I look like a different human, but you know, yeah, it's like, I also think it's the, the pressure that is put on us through this kind of conventional medicine lens that I think yeah. has best intentions. But, you know, I think I gained like 65 pounds in my pregnancies. And I didn't mind gaining any weight by any means. And I expected it. That's and way more than they say you should. That's way more yeah. than and they say you should. They say you're like supposed to gain like 30. Pounds. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> you guys will love this. The first doctor I saw delivered me. He's a very cute little old man. He's our neighbor. Like my mom loves him. He's to die for, but is, you know, 76 and got a young, sweet girl in the office. And so I had my first meeting with him and then he was like, I'm going to pass you on to Amanda who I love and is an angel and did a great job with me. But he said, okay, you know, congrats, you're pregnant. It's cute. He's like, I delivered you. I love when this happens, you know, full circle. Da, da, da. He said, no sushi, no alcohol. You're not eating for two. The baby right now is the size of a peanut. So don't gain too much weight. You're not, you're, it's minimal weight gain is what we're looking for here. And I, and it was just like, boom, boom, boom. And then he was like, okay, good luck. See you later. And I got pregnant, you know, 15 to 20 pounds overweight because I thought I was going to have to do IVF and I was depressed and I was drinking a lot and then taking all this med, all these hormones, you know? And so I was just in a bad, so I'm already feeling like I'm in a weird place, but I was so happy to finally get pregnant. And then he like, I'll never forget him saying that to me. Cause I was just want to be like, fuck you. 100%. Like, are you serious? Like, yeah. ew. I know. What? And it just takes the joy out of it too. Like, and especially for those of us who come from disordered eating past, it's so triggering beyond it's like, okay, thanks. I spent my whole life, you know, hyper-focused on what to eat, what not to eat for 10 weeks or, you know, the next eight weeks, I, I can't work out and I'm tired and I'm sleeping and I'm craving things. And like, that's torture for a disordered eating person. I'm just like, okay. But then you're telling me I'm not supposed to gain weight. Like it was, and my husband's like, let's get pizza. Like he's like (sighs) wanting to just be joy filled and eat everything. And I was like, okay, we are. I think the hardest part though, is the like pressure after that it's just supposed to come off and you're supposed to look like you did before. I mean, I'm shocked how many girls on the internet look so like back to normal so quickly. It's genetics and that's 
there is no, what did she do? What didn't she do? We all are genetically different. And that's just what the fuck it is. <laughs> because I'm just yeah. like, what? Like, so you're already in jeans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you even see it in pregnant women. Like I remember writing this post when I was pregnant about like people saying, oh, you're all bumped. First of all, it was a lie. It was not like, and I'm really grateful. Like I gained weight everywhere. And to Whitney's point, like, I think it was uh, one of the reasons I could breastfeed to baby. Like I'm very yeah. grateful, but it's like, when, when did we start saying like being all bump is the thing we should all strive for? Like, it's just, it's so no, it's crazy. Up. Yeah. It's all very, how we judge women's weird. bodies, even through this. I know. Wouldn't it be nice if we're like, dang, you look healthy. Like you, <laughs> That's I, know. I know. So like, I, said I was like, like just you look tell like me you're I look glowing healthy like, you don't and... even have to comment on like just say no, you but look just glowing. even even when you're not pregnant right yeah you look like, healthy like I think most of them would take that as like a not a compliment I know <laughs> yeah but here's how and... I feel is everyone's intentions are really good like it takes a lot totally. to upset me like I'm not a person who gets easily triggered it was hard at six months when everyone kept saying any day now, or like my dad's cousins being over here who are in their seventies. And they were like, there has to be twins in there. And then like, <laughs> and then the other one was like, no, she said there's only one I'm standing right here. No, 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 no. And my aunt Ross, she's like smoking a cigarette. She's like, I'll tell you this story. I had a friend. There was a twin behind the one baby the whole time. They didn't see the baby. <laughs> there has to be another baby in there. She's just too big to only have one baby in there. I'm, I'm like, guys, I'm right here. I mean, I one know of our there's clients one baby. wrote in and because we we sent out an email with a picture of me, you know, like, I don't know, a couple of weeks before I gave birth or something. Oh, right. and And they were like. <clears throat> thank you for sending out real pictures of your, your founders, like real bodies. See, like real bodies, healthy bodies. We need to change that. Like yeah. that is such a compliment. But, but like, I, I want like a real healthy body to be what's hot. Yeah. You know, we're I think it's changing more than ever. I absolutely. And so I feel more positive for our, children than ever I it's really going to be like me making sure that I don't talk about my body in front of her in a way that isn't anything other than joy filled and mm -hmm. you know having food be like a fun ceremony and something that we all cook together and you know it's just about like it, like you guys always comes back to what you guys say is, is lifestyle I was gonna say you know my son has type 1 diabetes and so he it's, does yeah and it's really hard with him you know it's like even these conversations around villainizing foods and things. I, I think about that for him, you know, when he goes to a birthday party and everybody's eating crazy Fuck. fried chicken tenders and yes. French fries and cupcakes. What do you tell him? I mean, I just have to do my best to let him have it and, you know, and in, in moderation, but, mm. you know. I don't want him to feel different. Yeah, because that's a whole thing. Yeah. Oh my God, God bless you. Yeah. Although I also will say, like, I don't, I don't think different is bad. And I know my oldest daughter feels different, even in our conversations of what we've had around food. Like she, <laughs> I'm trying to explain to her like what 
you know, organic means. And she's a little confused. So now she just asks if anything's organic. When I think <laughs> what she's actually trying to ask is like, is this going to make me feel good? You yeah, know? yeah. So she's learning, but you know, like, and she's very curious. And, and I will tell you one of my tricks when I'm surrendering and I'm not saying anything to her, I just say, you go enjoy that baby. Like you enjoy that. Even though inside I'm like, oh. like <laughs> there was like, I know like hydrogenated oils in that cupcake <laughs> icing, but anyway, um, you know, it's like, I just like, let it go. And I really want her to feel my joy for her. Like, go enjoy it, baby. Go mm. enjoy yourself. Have fun. Enjoy the cupcake. But you know, she also does kind of know that we eat differently. And cause she asks, she's like, how come kids eat candy? Like we, that's kind of like something I just never keep it in the house. And so she's like, why don't we ever eat candy in our house? Like my friends eat candy. So like, she knows she's different too. And in a world yeah. where the food system is not our ally, the food system is not designed to make us feel good. Like, I think different is kind of not a choice, but like a necessity until yeah. the rest of the country decides we're going to change the food system and the government decides we're going to change the food system. So I'll just say, like, I think there's a balance between villainizing and stressing kids out about what to eat and what yeah, not to eat versus like just being different. It's okay like, you're, that we eat differently. You're making it almost like it's a different and a positive light. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that that's the, the energy that it needs to come from and like, not like, oh, this is a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. And I haven't, I haven't figured out exactly how to do that yet for Bodhi. How old is he? He's two and a half. He'll be three in October. He's only two and a half. Little angel guy. Yeah. Little babies. How has it been working together as best friends? It's the best. Yeah, it's the best. It's um, so cool. I mean, it's I, such a journey. <laughs> I think it, you know, it, can't it's imagine not, doing it alone. Yeah, it's it's not for everybody because I think everybody doesn't have the same kind of friendship or everybody that doesn't have the same kind of personalities that like we have. Listen, but, personalities, friendship, communication is all one thing. I know many best friends. And I will tell you, it just happened to me when it comes down to financial decisions. You like really see a side of people that you would never truly could possibly imagine exists inside of them for a financial gain. And it's unavoidable sometimes. And so to be able to avoid that, I mean, would you guys been in business, what, 14 years? Yeah, something like that. 13, 14 years. Yeah. Around, I mean, it's. It, this is a big victory, guys. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Yeah. And we're actually still best friends also. <laughs> Which, I mean, you it's know, unbelievable. Like, you can imagine just getting to this place where, you know, you decide to stay business partners. But, you know, for us, like this work is so personal that it's like the the friendship is, I think, what helps it feel like our life's work and our mission mm -hmm. in a way. Like it rarely, of course, sometimes, but it rarely feels like work. It feels like we just have this mountain to climb together and interesting problems to solve. And yeah, and I think like is... no matter. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think no matter if you start with a co-founder or not, I think having that thought partner. Yeah. And not have really somebody important. to bounce ideas off of and, and call and talk through things. I mean. 
Can you imagine doing it alone? And to give each other reassurance. Like, yes, "Yes, girl, that's the a great idea. You go do that and you show up as your strongest best self. (laughs) And like, no, that is a good idea. Because sometimes you can start to second guess yourself, like, what am I doing? Is this stupid? I Mm -hmm. don't know. Like, or even should I wear that? And just having (laughs) somebody be like, you do it and you look great and just keep going is so powerful. So how has it been? So, I mean, you guys are running a huge business, so you weren't business people before this, you know? So, (laughs) so, you know, I mean, I'm sure you have, I mean, how many employees do you have? Close to 300 now. Yeah. Yeah. So you have 300 fucking employees. You have a food business, (laughs) which on top of that, people don't understand the codes and the logistics and I, I mean, I always say this when we like, when I talk about Sakara on the podcast, I'm like, I don't know how it happens, but the food just shows up here at like four <laughs> in the fucking morning and it's fresh and it's good. And I don't know who brought it here or what, like, but it happened. And I don't know, magical. How, I don't know how this can happen across the country. So, I mean, I know we love- literally have like the hardest business in the world. You do. And- Cause I have friends who failed at it. So I've seen a small part of how hard it is. So how, I mean, how did it go from, okay, let's do this to money and logistics? We just Blood, kept, sweat and tears. Yeah. And we just kept going. Like yeah. literally, you know, we decided one day, like this is so transformative. Let's see if one other person's interested. One person was interested. And then, you know, we are like, okay, we have to cook out of our houses because we're not gonna, you know, let's just see how this goes. And then turns out you can't cook out of your apartment, especially when you start to have more than one client. (laughs) So then you figure out what you have to do. And then, you know, four clients turns into 14. So you just started doing, you were doing clients and and doing this yourself, kind of. Yeah, we built our own website. We were our own accountants. We like, we did everything. We would deliver ourselves. Yeah. Some nights we'd stay up the whole night cooking and then the delivery guy wouldn't show up and we'd have to then pack it all into taxis yeah, of course. and you know mm-hmm. like we we started out delivering on bicycle until it was too many bags and whatever to carry and then Amazing. it would be or like the winter or freezing <laughs> yeah and like pack it up into taxi cabs and go deliver and knock on our clients doors and they'd open up the door in their bathrobe like, what are like, you doing here <laughs> literally like one woman had a hairbrush like in her hair not she was like blow her hair. not yeah and was so shocked and surprised to see us and we're like yeah we're just as surprised to see you here's your food um she was like do you want to come in do you want to have some food with me we're like we gotta deliver these other like 18 bags on our shoulders at what point did you realize this was going to be a bigger business like did you get I'm sure you guys did like a raise clearly like how did that for the first few years though like we got it to like you know, a few million in revenue before we did our first raise. So you Um, were doing a few million with the two of you. Yeah. I mean, we had 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 a a team. We had employees. We had a team, but none of them were like full-time. Like it was. It's asking favors and hoping people believe in you to work together. But yeah, you know, I think like the important part when I look back, the important part of this lesson for me is just, the lessons we learned building the business and doing every single part of the business, like pay back in like, m- like million folds. Like the things mm-hmm. that we did at the beginning 
when you, when you're cooking for 40 people versus 4 million, like, of course, scale changes everything in terms of a lot of things, but some of the fundamentals really stay the same. And so now that we're managing, you know, our head of production and our COO and like we, you have like a viewpoint and a lens and an understanding that makes it so much easier. Like I can imagine it'd be much more intimidating to, you know, manage our COO who's been doing this for 50 years and like as two young women, but I'm just so grateful for that early experience because it just allowed us to have like this deep understanding of every part of the business. What do you hope your customers are taking home besides food? Like, what do you think? Mm -hmm. And you could say your individual answers because I'm sure they might be different outside of the brand as you as an individual who owns a company. What do you hope that you're leaving with people and telling people and that people are integrating into their lives? I love this question. Yeah, it's a good question because at the end of the day, like we, we really do get annoyed when people call us a meal delivery because Mm. while we deliver meals, it's, that's not what we are. We deliver people the opportunity to change their health, to change their bodies, to change their lives, to give them freedom, to focus on the, the, the things that are most important to them in their lives, their family, their work, and be able to share their gifts with the world. And so, you know, I, I hope that we're delivering like this sense of freedom and empowerment with these meals, Mm -hmm. like not thinking about, you know, calories and should I eat this or should I not eat that? Or, you know, those all those things that like Danielle went through are for me, like helping people, delivering them hope that yes, your body can change, your my, gut microbiome can change, that you're not going to have this acne all over your face for the rest of your life. Like there is, there's a possibility mm-hmm. there here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have this quote. I don't know whose quote it is, but you know, it's a healthy person has a thousand dreams and an unhealthy person has one. And it's just, for me, it's this beautiful reminder that when we are out of our own way, Mm, anything mm -hmm. is possible. We can dream big. We can go after things we can, and you get to define what getting out of your own way is, what health is for you, what you Mm -hmm. want your life to look like. And I just think back to the time, you know, before I had my reckoning that my whole entire life was wrapped up in what I shouldn't eat and my body and my worth. And my, and it was like so much of my, my like life force was going toward self dislike toward fixing myself. And now in this place where food is just there to help me live an incredible, joyful, empowered life in service to others. Like that Mm. is that is what I want for everyone. And if you feel like your health or your relationship to your health, your relationship to your body or your food is in the way of that, it is, it is fixable. It is, there are things that can help. And we talk about our mission here is to put you in the driver's seat of your health, like to give you the tools to sit in the driver's seat. We're not your, you know, 
We're not here to tell you how to live your life exactly. You get to decide you're in the driver's seat. You know your body better, but you have to have a toolkit because the scariest place to be, as all three of us know, is in a place where we don't feel good and we don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't have that toolkit, you feel helpless and alone. And so my hope is we're, you know, we're that toolkit or at least one of the tools for people to really sit in the driver's seat of their health. If someone's listening right now and is feeling a little lost and a little overwhelmed and wants to, you know, integrate some of your practices into their life, is there a product or, you know, I know you guys also have like a cookbook, you know, is there something that you would suggest if like someone came to you and was like, I don't know where to start. I mean, I would say the metabolism super powder because that shit instantly makes you feel so different. (laughs) Yeah. But is there, you know, what would be, what do you think is like a nice, easy entryway into this new era of someone's life, you think? I think our metabolism powder is great. It depends on what they're looking for. I mean, with that, you're going to feel a difference right away. You're going to feel more energized going to help, you know, reduce bloat and sugar cravings. I think our complete probiotic is really powerful. And Mm -hmm. I feel like we need to change the name of it because it's so much more than a probiotic. So it has 11 strains of probiotics, like a really complete offering of of strains of probiotics. And it has prebiotics. Mm. It has enzymes in it, has minerals in it. I mean, it's really like a microbiome overhaul, like a, you know, a reset for your gut. And we all know just how powerful the gut is that it's the epicenter of your health. And so I'm a really big fan of our complete probiotic. And then, you know, if, and that's at a reasonable price point, I think it's like 45 bucks and, you know, you're going to feel a difference with that. If you have the means to like take a step up into our meal programs, our nutrition programs. I mean, you can get, even if you just sign up for three lunchbox, it's like 85 bucks and it's all delivered. It's all organic. It's nutritionally designed and it comes ready to eat. You just open it up and eat it. It's not one of those, you know, like have to prepare it meal kits. It's ready to eat and starting to eat this way whether it's just with three meals a week and then working your way up, your body starts to change from a biological Mm -hmm. level where the more you eat these foods, the more your body starts to crave these foods, it changes the ecosystem within your gut. And then it's not about willpower. If, you know, eating this way isn't, if it's hard for you, then it starts to make it a biological change rather than a mental change willpower change where your biology starts to work with you and your cravings start to change to wanting more healthy foods. So I think, you know, that that's a great entryway into eating this way more often. Yeah, I would agree with that because it, once you start, also, if once you read ingredients on a label and you're kind of like, oh, okay, like I kind of understand how to put a meal together now, you know, like that yeah, meal tasted yeah. good and it made me <laughs> feel good. And now I know kind of like the little layers. And I mean, I always approach it like how many vegetables can I get in here? What's my source of fiber? What's my source of protein? And then everything else is like a fun add on. Do I want to add on kimchi or a scoop of sauerkraut or like what seed can I put on? You know, everything just becomes like a fun layer 
of nutrition. And I think it feels overwhelming until it becomes delicious and fun. And you're right. You do start craving. Like I crave vegetables constantly. Yeah. And yeah. you start to see, like, like you said, you start to see what are those ingredients? Oh, okay. Maybe I want to buy some of that and try mm-hmm. this. And you get ideas and you start to experience like, oh, eating healthy can taste really good because for so long, I don't know, people, it just, people thought it was rabbit food or had to taste like cardboard if it was healthy. Mm-hmm. And I think that once they taste the Saqqara meals, it, it completely changes their mind. Around you guys that. have donuts that are delicious. Delicious. And that was a big part of it too. It's like joy is a nutrient. And so the food should be joyful. And that was a big thing for me <clears throat> creating it is I was like, I never feel like want to feel like I'm on a diet ever again. Mm-hmm. Same. Okay. I'm going to ask each of you one last question. So, you know, we are now a generation of women who have intense jobs and we're moms and have a lot to do in one day. Is there a routine or a practice for each of you uh, that is a part of, you know, your day that is a non-negotiable? And what is it? This is for me to copy so I can be a better. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, because of my reverence for food and what it can do for us, dinner time at our house is really important time. Mm-hmm. And so I, I make sure I'm home for dinner time. Good. I love that. It's really important. I think, I think for me, two things, one is remembering that if I don't take care of myself, I can't take care of anybody else. Mm-hmm. And so I know that for me, getting these meals into my body every day, making sure that I get nourishment because I could just go a day and live on snacks and chocolate covered almonds. No, you see so many moms that are like, I have, I've had, yeah, one slice of cheese and three almonds and this, and like, there has been no moment. Three cups of coffee or Mm -hmm. a matcha and you know, whatever else. And you're in meetings and you're running and you're going and you're taking the kids to the park and you're doing whatever. And you're putting yourself last and it starts to show up in your health. It shows up in your energy. It shows up in your mental health and it shows up in your physical health. And so I have to constantly remind myself, like, I need to take care of me. And even if it's just one meal, one Saqqara meal a day, I know that I'm getting, you know, all these different ingredients in that one meal, lots of diversity of nutrients that I'm getting hydration, antioxidants. So it's kind of like my multivitamin that I get into my body mm-hmm. and getting enough like leafy greens with that. So that w- I'd say is one non-negotiable. And then the other is mindset around, I think one of the greatest gifts that I received was the gift of a growth mindset. And I think about like, you know, how I can give that to my child and we give that to our team constantly helping them to see, you know, when challenges arise, how can you see it as an opportunity to to learn, to grow, not to get down on yourself, but to say the universe is always conspiring in my favor. What is this showing Mm -hmm. me? How do I need to change what, you know, and how to move forward? And it's a practice because our natural 
biology as humans is to spot the negative, to spot the danger. And, and if we're always looking at the negative and the danger, it can become a very dark world. So just constantly practicing, uh, looking for the magic in the world. I love the word practice. I always say that every, that like love is a practice, like all these things take work. And I think we've been so conditioned to see women portrayed like moms portrayed as these stressed out frazzled. There's like a toy in your bra and your hair's not done and you haven't eaten anything. And by the way, obviously like those things happen, but I think being like the mom who's a little bit more collected because she set like a boundary to eat a meal (laughs) is, which is possible, you know, that it's not impossible to, to feed yourself. And I, and, and, and I'm saying this for anyone who I'm sure someone's going to say like, you don't know what my life is like, and that's a privileged statement. But if you're, you know, I think like same with we're me. We're not like, taught to give ourselves boundaries. No, women. we're not. So and I think it's a practice to your mm-hmm. original point. And, and looking at everything's a trade-off, right? Mm-hmm. If there's only a certain amount of time in the day, where are you making trade-offs? Maybe it's mm-hmm. making a list of what your priorities are and making sure that those priorities get done because we can otherwise fill our life with, you know, like, oh, I don't have time to make a meal, but I accidentally just spent an hour scrolling through Instagram, Instagram, TikTok, and online window shopping that I didn't buy anything, mm-hmm. you know? I and totally agree. So, you know, it's, I think if we can put our, like, even if it's just, okay, these three things I need to remember to do, do today and knock those out, then you can really feel accomplished and, and have time to take care of yourself. Thank you ladies for spending this hour with me. I am honored and inspired. Thank you. And congratulations on all your success because it's epic. Ditto. <laughs> thank you. All right. Thank you, ladies. Yeah. Have a good thank rest you. of your day. So Thorn. good to see you. You so too. So good to see you. And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes this week's episode of Everything is the Best. I hope you enjoyed it. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. Maybe leave a comment. But remember, shitty comments are for shitty people. Go ahead and follow me on Instagram at Pia Barangini. And I hope you have a fabulous, fabulous rest of your day. Love you. Ciao. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.